Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. This episode is a big Q&A where we explore an area of marketing through leading industry figures. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be chatting to two experts in career development and recruitment about the realities of job hunting in 2021. Both as we continue to navigate the coronavirus crisis, but also as we head into a post-pandemic economy, whatever that will look like. Morgan Cummins is a Director of Recruitment and Coaching at Talent Hub, where he specialises in helping people rediscover their peak performance in their career. He had an 18-year stint in advertising, and Morgan transferred his skills and knowledge of this industry into recruitment and career coaching, and he's now in his fifth year in this new adventure. Paul Farrer is the founder of Aspire, a specialist award-winning recruitment consultancy for the digital, tech, media and marketing sectors. Established in London back in 1992, Aspire now operates throughout the UK, but also in Asia-Pacific and North America. By expanding internationally, Paul learned much about how an industry can operate very differently in different cultural contexts around the globe. Paul passionately believes that whilst undervalued, professional recruitment can change lives and transform organisational performance. Hello guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Will, it's a pleasure to be here. Likewise. Yeah, it's great to have you. I am really looking forward to draining you of every last drip of knowledge you've got about one of the most um, valuable areas of uh, work and business at the moment, and that is the um, matter of recruitment and employment, um, especially in this current climate. And um, I think to kick off, just to kind of set the scene, um, I'd love to ask you both really about about the last year. You know, it's been a strange one for everyone. But how do you think it's been specifically different in the world of recruitment and career development? Morgan, what have you seen? Our agency has actually just uh, had its best performing month in our history in five years. Our pipeline going into the end of this year and especially the first quarter of 2020 has never been better. And what's different, though, and what's really important here is that clients now are really embracing the importance of building these modern marketing teams, but also hiring for attitude, which is something I'd love to get into later in this podcast. Absolutely. So do you think that marketing as a sector is is becoming is booming because messaging is becoming more important? What happened very quickly, Will, was um, if you if you if you could put yourself in a boardroom, uh, the 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 CMOs and the chief digital officers were were suddenly the first agenda item on on the board's list, and they were the ones that were also getting the I guess the spotlight, but the attention that potentially they didn't get previously. You know, if you chart back the on the stats on this, less than 10% of people from marketing departments make it to a CEO's position. Um, and that's always been a disadvantage for that department. For the last nine months, you know, the calls, uh, engagements we're on is always with the, the marketing leads and, and the CEOs. So it, it really couldn't be a better time to, to shine, I guess, for, for, for our industry right now. Yeah, absolutely. It has been remarkable because to the point earlier of everyone retracting into their shells and everyone pausing and, you know, having their own 
moments of what the hell, the crisis almost. Um, one of our biggest challenges in recruitment is to try and attract the, I guess, the most talented people or the people are, if we get a brief from our clients, they often have a wish list of, of what industry or what brand to go scouting in. And um, people now, and it could, it, it, it most definitely is a product of, of them being working from home. So they're not being pulled from pillar to post in terms of tr- um, commuting and and that, but but the ability now to talk to people and for people to actually really listen and take stock um, about their next career move has been a, a huge shift. Um, if, if you kind of think of it like this way, sometimes, unfortunately, when we call people, you know, we our timing might be terrible. You know, uh, now it's almost been. Oh no, I can give you a, a, an hour of our time if you want. If if if, if you want to to listen, and I and I, I definitely feel and believe that that's because people now are, are are much more in tune to. They've been through a really tough time. Uh, they might have seen behaviours from their current company that they didn't quite uh, like or, or values, and now they're questioning their own purpose and looking for that now in their continued job search. Yeah, and taking that on to the kind of interviewing process, because that's all happened through video conferencing and I guess mostly Zoom. Um, And how are people finding that, you know, both from the candidate and the employer perspective? Because I know from my perspective, you know, when you interview people for a job, it's very much about the kind of chemistry. I mean, literally the chemistry in the room, like the pheromones and the, you know, the the way that you could, the body language, those really kind of primal things that are quite hard to get over on Zoom. So how are people finding that from both sides? You're missing the sensory, the gut instinct. You know, we, we do have receptors in our gut and um, that, that talk to us about these things when we're either being interviewed or um, be, uh, being uh, in the interview situation. So quite simply, because at the very start of lockdown, my clients, some of them were really struggling. You know, you had four directors in on a Zoom for the first time ever in some situations, and they were actually all competing with, with each other for airtime. And uh, they, they weren't getting giving the candidate any chance to speak. So quickly, we had to set some simple rules of engagement and set expectations on both sides. Because I think when, when expectations can be met, to, that can, can make each, especially the candidate, a bit at ease. Um, I, the number one bit of advice, though, that, that I've been giving um, to both, but I, uh, specifically to candidates, has been you're at home, you know, you're inviting someone into your home now. So you, you should be yourself and you should be very comfortable being yourself um, because you're doing it either in your bedroom or you're doing it in your home office or your sitting room. Essentially, you want people to hire you and not someone that you're trying not to be. Um, it, it sounds really simple, but but I can guarantee you if, if for the listeners, if they focus now, they'll have to do all the prep and we can I can go through that later. They they still have to prep beyond the extra mile for the interview. But fundamentally, if they do all their prep and then show up to that interview by being themselves, that's going to put them at a massive advantage yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think that's the real challenge I've had as an employer in the past is um, separating people who are really good at interviewing from people who are really good and right for the job. Because, you know, um, 
that there is something about there is a skill in being great at interviewing, turning up and being great on the day, um, saying all the right things. Um, showing, you know, projects and uh, being really easy to get on with and likable, you know, and having kind of creating chemistry and rapport with people. Um, but then, you know, that might not necessarily relate to um, your performance. And so I suppose for employers, it is, um, and, and employees, it is better that we have a more candid version of each other, right? I mean, it's a bit like dating, isn't it? You know, it's a bit like being on Tinder with a picture of a, you know, a big uh, muscly Adonis and then, you know, it's it's me that turns up at the date, uh, you know, and um, it's not really what was sold. So um, I think, yeah, it's, people should definitely be wary of reading about kind of interview hacks. But I think that's sort of, it, do you think that that's sort of unavoidable in what is in, an increasingly competitive marketplace? I mean, people really have to fight for jobs now, don't they? Paul, what have you seen? Yeah, well, I think there's two two bits you brought up there what one is from an employer's point of view being able to assess the candidate uh and that just that takes a discipline and that's the discipline of scoping out what it is that you're actually looking for in the first place and what i mean by that is you've got the hard skills and then you uh will look at well, what else we're we looking for are we look what competences or values or, or or soft skills are we looking for and then, uh, right, how are we going to assess it? So how, that's fine. We're looking for these things. You, you might want to work out why you're looking for them, um, again, because sometimes people just go into a shopping list of stuff uh, without seeing the relevance to the actual role uh, that they've got. So, so it has to be fit for the role. But once, once they've, they've, they've worked that out, so, it's, so what are we actually looking for? How are we going to ask, what questions are we going to ask to elicit that information and get an understanding of if the candidate is meeting those values, is able to demonstrate those competencies. Uh, and then just make absolutely sure that when they are going through an interview process, they're asking all the candidates the same questions in the same way, probing in the same way, not like a robot because you're talking to a human and each person's answer is going to be different, but you're probing in the same way that you're taking down the answers and, and, and drilling down. Uh, and then you ha need to make sure you have a scoring system of, of right, well, what weighting are we putting, this is before you start, what weighting are we putting on each of these categories? Okay, so you're looking at it after an interview, you're going back and looking at it and saying, okay, well, how are we actually scoring this? What evidence do we find out? Okay, it's really interesting. I really like them, but actually they don't seem to have much evidence here uh, to support that when we really dug, dug down. And it's and you it, the other thing, and it's a slightly more time, so you do need two people involved really in every stage of the process because the, you know if you have one person is their bias could already be triggering well i quite like what they said about that and favor the scoring and you need someone else to also be more objective so so from that aspect from 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 a uh, an employer point of view employers need to do quite a lot more work than they currently do to to create a, a system of a fairness but also uh, of more rigor uh, the the other challenge they have is just a, at right at the moment the pure number of applications um, that they will get if they if they're advertising themselves and that type of stuff. I mean, you are talking hundreds uh, of applications. They're not not talking about tens. Literally, before March, it might have been tens or less. We're now into hundreds. Well, that's the thing, and I, I know there's one thing our listeners will really want to know, and that will be out of that stack of CVs or applications, LinkedIn profiles. 
how do you stand out? I mean, I'd love to hear from both of you. You know, what are your sort of tips for standing out in that pile of applications? Just to see if Morgan and I agree on this. I'm interested in Morgan's view on, on how long a recruiter will look at uh, an application for before moving on. Yeah, great question, Paul. So, um, firstly, it's 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 roughly eight and a half. You know, the 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 time is eight and a half seconds. That's the time that's been qualified in a busy recruiter's job. Now, that's that's what I tell my candidates when they're coming to us, either looking for a job or in a career coaching way. Um, a good recruiter is spending way more time. Um, the way we train our people is to actually start at the back. So you don't get distracted and actually look at the unusual. Just this morning, I, I was amazed someone someone had uh, gone through music school and got top, top marks on, on the cello and the piano. And straight away, you're going, wow, that's a high achiever, you know. Um, but back to the candidate question of so of how do you stand out? Actually, the first thing I would advise the listeners to do is cut down on the amount of jobs that they're applying for and get focused on what they really want. Because if, if, if you think of it like a funnel and um, if you're applying for everything and, and as, as we all know, it's become so easy, like you can swipe left now to, to apply. Um, if you're applying to a job in the marketing industry right now here in Ireland, there are hundreds of other people applying. My advice is to actually do your research, really look at the industries that you uh, are inspired by, that interest you, and start learning about them. So then when you have, and if you think about it in that eight to 10 seconds, when you've tailored your CV or written a clever little note that accompanies your application, if it's direct or if it's, it's into to ourselves, because you have that deeper knowledge and you're not one of the people of many that are just applying, you're already in getting into that 5%. So for me, quite simply, go deep on the ones you're applying for, but really know why you're applying for and, and then see, uh, make sure you can get across that you're going to be adding value to stand into that 5%. Yeah. Paul, what would you say? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating uh, arena. And um, the, as, as recruiters, sometimes we can lose sight of what it's like to actually be looking for a job ourselves. So, uh, and, and so the, I, I do a, a fair amount of coaching, particularly with people entering the job market more, more so than people in, but increasingly now more so uh, with people in it around the fact that looking for a job is a job. It's a full-time job. And there's a whole whole raft of things you need to think about and, and, and create within your job. Uh, and the, the starting point is there's a difference uh, between men and women and applying for jobs. Uh, men apply for anything, regardless of what skills, they, however close they match it, they just apply. And in a one-click environment or one-swipe environment, it's very easy to apply. Uh, women, on the other hand, do not apply for anything and, unless they've read the job brief and feel that they've got at least seventy percent of, of what's required. And and so th this is this is a, a quite an in interesting difference between the genders when it comes to to applying applying for for roles just from the starting point. But there is zero point in just applying for, for everything. The zero, zero point at all. You're just you're just clustering up stuff. Uh, and you need to be more of a, of a sniper. So the, the starting point is, is trying to understand what it is you want to do. I know that that's 
that's sometimes a really difficult uh, question. And also with careers these days, and career also is a strange word now, uh, careers used to be things that lasted decades, um, and careers are now things that seem to last like two and a half years uh, before someone moves on to their next career, as opposed to the next stage of their career. I think, you know, what is a career? I think definition of career needs to be, re, you know, needs need a redefinition. Um, but generally speaking, most people aren't looking long term uh, when they're looking. It is a job move. I'm really, when I'm talking here about the the roles that will be sort of um, if one's putting age, you know, probably, let's put seniority on it. Pro- probably up to a, a operating director level, uh, may, maybe senior manager level, just below that. Uh, people aren't thinking hugely long term. They go, it's job to job, eighteen months, two years, on to the next one, on to the next one. Preferably within in the, in the same company, but but quite often the people that get itchy feet and want to move out, their peer groups moving on, they want to move on get to a certain age, or shouldn't I be a manager by now, uh, status, all these things sort of come into it. But career planning, it's not. It's it's sort of job moving, um, uh, uh, if you want. But for marketeers, approach it as a marketer. You know, you, you are a marketer. So 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 you are marketing yourself. Um, so so as what do you do in marketing? Well, you, you, you do research. <laughs> Uh, you, you look at the the areas that, that you're trying to penetrate and get your product and brand into. You need to say, is the product fit for purpose or or what the strengths uh, of my product and how will I position those and what are the areas I need to develop? So what work would I need to do to go and get get those? Where where the market trends, what's growing, that type of stuff, where the skills. So, so, so people can actually should look at it a bit more like a project. They should certainly have you know, a database of all the companies they've applied to, of the contacts they applied to. They should be working on LinkedIn to connect with those people uh, because, yeah, their application may have fallen in. And and unfortunately, there are some companies that say, I've got 500 applications. I'm just going to delete 400 uh, as those people are unlucky and I don't want anyone un- unlucky working in my organization. You know, terrible practice, but it happens, okay, because people are, are time short. Um, and then they but, – but but as a marketer, you know, don't just you need to sort of slightly move more into a sales uh, thinking process of of actually connecting with the people who apply who, uh, who are who are advertising the jobs through, through LinkedIn, sending them messages. Make sure that you're writing blogs, uh, making sure that you've got content on your LinkedIn profile that's relevant to the marketplace that you're. And because because a good recruiter, a good employer, will be not just looking at your application; they'll be saying, "Oh, well, let's have a look at this person elsewhere." Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. To, to develop what Paul said about we, you are a marketer and use your, play to your strengths and use those strengths <clears throat> to work out what it is you want to do next. I, I want to tell a little story about someone I knew a couple of years ago who, who came to me and was a, a real high performer in one of the big global banks here. Um, and for, for that per individual, it was easy they well not easy but because of the sector that they worked in they wanted to focus in on fintech and in the dublin market there's it's booming in fintech so i simply just challenged him on it and and said basically well what are you going to do how are you going to get beyond the extra mile and so what he did it was he had two weeks over a christmas period and he researched he didn't just go what google fintech companies in dublin he went and did deep research and he actually came up with his own top 15. He analyzed 
everything from the problem that they were solving to the uh, changes in the industry, the the changes in regulation from a European standpoint, uh, point of view. And he came back to me with this list of data on these 15 companies. Now, for me, that made it so easy to, to approach only a handful because I was only working with 10% of that list, but I got him in front of two people. But then again, this guy had so had impressed me so much. I literally went, well, what are you going to do about the other 13 companies? He went away. He thought about it. And what he did was genius. He he wrote, he actually wrote, he got, got some really good headed paper and he wrote the founders a letter. And in that letter, he paid them compliments. He gave the deep dive research that he he, he unearthed and he gave them some insights from his his 20 year career. He ended up getting 10 coffees. And from that, those 10 coffees, three job offers. So if you want to go wow, really geez. beyond the extra mile, well, that to me is, is the best example that I can give. That's a really good example, actually. Yeah. I mean, funnily enough, it's not unlike the world of digital marketing in, in, in a completely saturated landscape. The only thing that cuts through is high relevancy and going really deep on that, you know. Um, because that's what people connect with when they're faced with a million options, the stuff that kind of actually resonates with them. And that's a, that's a really good um, good case study. That's definitely a good tactic to uh, for our listeners to think about copying. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real-life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game. Sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. I mean, in terms of positioning yourself as an employee, where do you think, you know, is it is now the time to focus on becoming a specialist or are we a more valuable asset to a company as an all round generalist? Morgan, what do you think of that? It will always depend on the stage of your career uh, that you're at. Um, so if we're talking about people leaving college, uh, getting getting just into the jobs market, the digital marketing arena, I believe that it's a really good uh, start to take a specialism. And it could be in social, it could be in programmatic, um, it, it could be in analytics. But I believe that the modern market era of the future is, is going to be a series of skills stacking. So if you think about it, they're they become a deep level expert in SEO. They, they rise to the top of their, their field in, in, in their industry. That will open up its own opportunities to then develop the skill set. As you move up the, the I guess, the, the, the proverbial ladder, it is really important to become, think of it like a T-shaped um, skill stacked person. So that if, if you're clear on, on your, uh, your career, plans and, and, and development that, that you know that every three to five years you're going to push yourself to uh, effectively get out of your comfort zone and add another new skill. And, you know, as the technical skills rise, you're going to have to then look at the softer skills like public speaking, leadership, um, empathy, etc. But I do think as a basis, you need to you need to know 10% more than the next person in the room uh, and, and develop that. And then once you start 
know that you're kind of comfortable in that space, then I'd recommend that you you start branching into other areas of expertise. Yeah, yeah, that's a sound advice. Paul, what do you think about specialist versus generalist in the current climate? Um, well, I think there's two two aspects to this. First of all, employers, um, hiring managers in particular, of course, are looking for a shortcut. So, so they just want someone. I'm looking for a PPC manager. I want a PPC manager. You know, and and so it's not laziness. It's they're under pressure. Uh, they've got targets to hit, budgets to achieve, campaigns to run, and they just want a PPC manager who, who can do the job. So. There's, there's uh, sadly, in my view, not anywhere near enough um, transferable skills uh, utilised within uh, digital marketing um, environment. It's, it's very much uh, in, in um, silos, um, and, and it's quite ridiculous because, because the idea that someone who's a, a great PPC executive uh, couldn't also be a great SEO executive or a paid social executive or whatever. It's just it is what they're, what they're doing. Uh, and frankly, if they want to develop um, and move into uh, more strategic roles, um, they're going to have to uh, know all different aspects of, of, of how everything is pulled together. Um, and so it's, it's very important, even if you are doing one particular role in a silo, um, to develop your own skills, take time to develop your own skills, or put pressure on your employer to develop uh, other skills to 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 make sure you understand how affiliate marketing works, or or even some some more um, traditional methods of, of marketing, whether it's broadcast uh, or, or even print, because because it's all part of the marketing environment and the the end user, as in your 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 client, who's, who's got the budget. Okay, at any time as, as market shifts and things change, uh, may may want to start waiting a campaign uh, one way or, or, or t'other, and that certainly might be out of your silo uh, if that is the case. So, does that make people who have side hustles more attractive potentially? You know, people who are proactively pushing themselves out outside of their comfort zones. Uh, personally, I, I, it depends what your side hustle is. If it's relevant, absolutely. Um, I think there's there's I have heard feedback from some employers who uh, interview people who've got um, side hustles and the side hustle is quite a serious one and they're worried how much time they're going to be able to focus on their on on the day job that the employer is paying for. Other employers think it's fantastic that someone's got a focus doing something else. So so there is I don't think there's a, a right answer apart from relevance. Um, uh, so so I, I think side hustles are if they're relevant are, are great, but but many aren't, uh, and so what they bring to the party, I'm not not entirely sure. Yeah, again, absolutely. I think if you put yourself in the shoes of of, of you not having a job right now, and back to the earlier point we discussed, the standing out. Um, I know if you are able to point to a blog that you've set up, a uh, a website that you set up that sold X number of widgets uh, in the last number of months or years. That's always going to look way more interesting. And in actual fact, what I see at the most is when we're hiring for some of our um, full service <clears throat> advertising agencies, where you could be the best example I have is they were looking to hire social media specialists. And one of the um, nice to haves on, on our candidates going forward was that they had a side hustle essentially to to showcase and it was those people that got it so again back to the point it needs to be relevant and 
there has to be a balance. You know, if an employer might go, oh, God, I, I, what happens? They could be a flight risk if this takes off. So, but, but I think to the point of trying to stand out, if it's relevant and, and you can talk to the um, clear achievements you've delivered from it, absolutely, I think it's a great thing to have. I think I think there's there's a real point here actually, which has occurred to me. There's for those people who aren't working at the moment, don't consider yourself to not be working. So if you're not an employed labour, you've got you need a change of mindset to say I have a full time job. My full time job is seeking out my next job. So so what am I going uh, to do to be able to make that come? Uh, to pass because you actually have an advantage over those people who are working because those people are working won't have the same amount of time so so when you're actually looking for jobs and competing for jobs in the market there there are some employers who unfairly attach uh, some form of stigma to people who aren't working compared to those people who are working uh, but I, I don't take that as as being the norm it's definitely not the norm you, as someone who isn't employed, currently employed, has an advantage that you can start immediately, which employers, when they have vacancies, want people to start immediately. But you, you have a job, and your job is getting a job. It's part about showing what you were doing with that time, isn't it? It's, you know, showing that you didn't just sit at home watching Netflix, waiting for something to land in your inbox. Absolutely, and and a great example of that is is uh, in the last few years we've seen sort of growth of influencer marketing. Uh, and someone who, who who didn't have a job wanted to get a job in that. So they worked out, right, well, what do these people do and how do they do it? Not to become an influence marketer themselves, although that's the, the route they started taking and building up a, a fan base, and they, they did a particular thing around cookery uh, and started cooking these uh, um, gluten-free vegan um, type things and start, started creating actually their own small following mm. uh, they then actually targeted influencing marketing companies that had food categories uh and started contacting the people in those businesses uh saying saying that look at what you're doing you, you could have more clients doing this this is the sort of stuff i'm doing i can speak their language and then equally contacted started focusing on the influence in marketing uh, companies that didn't have any food category saying you have no food category mm-hmm. uh, and look at what's going on in this food category so it gave them real you know numbers research of what's going in the marketplace spend that sort of stuff uh, and and actually you know to start with was was thinking this isn't working no one was no one was uh, talking talking to them uh, there is an interesting sort of vibe within influence marketing agencies which uh, it touches on the arrogance uh of it, but this person just kept going until they they got noticed. Uh, they didn't get a huge amount of uh, interviews, but they did land up uh, uh, with a job. Yeah. So, so they ended up they they were, they were brought in on fixed term contract to see what they could do uh, for a period of time, and they converted that into a job because by then they were all doing their yeah. own thing. Now, interesting, their side hustle has, con- has continued. Yeah, uh, so they great. are now an influencer in their own right. So <laughs> they've got two things going on. One's an influencer in this sort of vegan cooking world, uh, and the other is actually working for this agency, working with food clients. Yeah. So having thought about um, recruitment, and they're great. They're great stories and case studies you're sharing there. It's really um, good, good stuff to know about. I'm also interested, really, in how you know, w- w- people for people in a job, how that's changed so much. You know, so many of us are working remotely, particularly in marketing. And I think we've become used to that. We're definitely 
that's become the norm now, you know. What effect do you think all this working from home is having on productivity and job satisfaction? Morgan, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's something Paul mentioned earlier, which I'm delighted we can get back to to sort of chat about. It's, it is the, look, no doubt productivity has gone up. Um, the separation between home and office is 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 not there, um, and people unfortunately are 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 getting burnt out. Um, and then that questions, and I'm not just uh, people being burnt out, but so many people I've been speaking to really now have had time to focus on their next step it could be their next step in their current company it could be total change uh, career pivot or yeah it could be a change of scenery but uh, but it really paul nailed it earlier on when he said we used to be the uh, almost the the call that people reluctantly took uh you know the curiosity might have got the better of them now when when people are answering our calls like it is minimum a half an hour of, of airtime we're getting and for me i always ask you know things like you know so timing where where are you up to describe to me what your dream role would be i don't get very specific because i think it's a really tough question but but i and now people are actually standing back and saying wow yeah i i am actually considering this or that um and this is going to be into 2021 for employers. Uh, purpose is, I, I, it was there, it's been there. Uh, unfortunately, the amazing bunch of millennials get the blame for per- bringing purposeful ways of working in, but it really is there. And um, from speaking to my senior clients, their biggest challenge is keeping that culture going. Uh, they know, like, they're clever. They know that people are struggling at home. And they know, especially in digital marketing areas, their people are are in high demand. So you're saying that people are very productive, but that they're losing their grasp on company culture and maybe losing some of the job satisfaction? I mean, what, what, how, is it, how is it impacting the way people feel about their jobs and about their companies they work for? Well, just think about it, you know... Um, so last week at Collective uh, in, in Talent Hub, we had our best year in five years of business and we couldn't really celebrate it, you know. Um, we couldn't, you know, do something to, to note that properly. Um, and that's just one example of a great achievement and, and no celebration. Um, so, so that being taken away is, is, in my opinion, really affecting people when, the, when they're at home. And then when they, they hear of other opportunities, they're way more in tune. They're way more ready to think about what it is they want to do and who, more importantly, they want to do it with. That's just a build, building that point. I, I think there's been a paradigm shift, actually. Um, whether it shifts back again is, is another matter. But I think it's been a paradigm shift. I think those people who are in work, uh, who, who, who are employed, have a different relationship with their employer now than before in many ways you know because people have people have taken um some people have taken salary reductions uh completely unthinkable pre-march 2020 um if you wanted people to take salary reductions they walked out the door went around the corner and started a new job somewhere else so so some people took, took salary reductions many didn't obviously uh, some people are still on furlough so that so they're still employed um, so their relationship with, with their employer is different. Um, 
many uh, employees are, if I use the word carefully, more thankful to, to their employer because they know their employer isn't doing as well as it was. Now, obviously, some areas of e-commerce and digital marketing are flying. Absolutely, as if nothing ever happened. In fact, it's got better. But there's plenty of sectors within digital marketing where it's not been fine at all. Lots of people have, uh, have, have found it really tough. Um, and so, so, so it, there's not one size fits all. This, this is this is changeable everywhere. Then you look at this issue around culture, and and I think culture is suddenly. A, I think to me, it's a problem word because um, if we if we believe in diversity and inclusion in the workforce, okay, then then whatever your culture is, unless it's already truly diverse and inclusive, you've got the wrong culture. Um, and if you're trying to recruit to that culture, um, you are you are recruiting uh, people that therefore are not going to meet your diversity and inclusion uh, uh, statistics. So, so I mean, there's lots of really big, massive statistics out there that people need to really get on board and get in tune with. And, and you talk about the uh, workforce, 75% of employees uh, will have had symptoms of mental health strains in, in the last year. That's, that's three quarters of the workforce, your workforce. And obviously those, those symptoms are going to be, be stretched one way uh, or the other. Um, you've got things like you know, uh, uh, McKinsey report that showed that companies with a strong gender diversity of 15% uh, more likely to outperform their competitors and uh, those with strong ethnic diversity were 35% uh, more likely to outperform your competitors. So if you don't actually know what the makeup of your own business is, okay, how are you beginning to look at well, how, how are we going to start start uh, along a road of being inclusive because employees um, uh, as Morgan was saying they want to make a contribution uh, and if they feel they're making making a contribution they feel valued but feeling valued is feeling listened to uh, and feeling that you can share your voice and and and, and people are respectful for you and that's all, all about the inclusion part uh, and and when when organizations when employees uh, feel that their organizations are supportive, uh, towards diversity, and they feel the uh, therefore they feel their uh, ability to innovate increases an amazing eighty three percent. That's not a figure from Pine Scott; it's from Deloitte research. So it, they, they, these are, are are really important when it comes to to companies now saying, "Well, what is our culture?" Because our culture was table tennis tables, bean bags, free coffee, fruit, go karting. Uh, out in the bar on a Friday, on a boat trip on on the Wednesday, taking everyone off to Barcelona for, for the weekend, and then you look at particularly in digital marketing, particularly in digital uh, digital arena as well. You, you, you look at a company's website, okay, and it's spot the grey hair, uh, and but 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 the company's saying we're really diverse. Well, clearly you're not diverse. You've chosen a diversity. So so I think everything is 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 going to have changed. You, you take a Commuting time that's disappeared for people working from home. Uh, Aspire and ourselves, we did our own workplace trend survey, which showed that 87% of employees in, in digital marketing said that want to continue to have a great deal of flexibility working from home. But they also want to have an ability to work in an office environment where lots of personal relationships are built and all the rest of it. But I think the office that we thought we had, that environment, it has to shift uh if if we're also at the same time going to be really 
emboldened to, to get really involved and commit to diversity and inclusion. And I think as we look to the future, and uh, our, our time is running short, I've just got a few more minutes to um, think about this, but as we look to that future, there is going to be a, a no, yet another shift from what was ne- what is now been normalised. There will be some sort of post-pandemic economy. Um, and also, I think that we've forgotten about some other things that will uh, overshadow that potentially, so things like automation and, and the effects of that. So I'd just love some closing thoughts and, and advice for our listeners specifically who are information-hungry digital marketers. How can they prepare for a post-pandemic economy, essentially? Morgan, what's your advice to our listeners? So, well, if you think about it like this, your level of success in this new world is going to be determined by the level of work you put into your personal development. And just think about that for a second. No one else will will really care for your career moving forward. No one else is really going to care if you upskill, if you spend time in your personal development. But I can guarantee you, if you eke out even 15 minutes a day, let's just say before your morning starts, 15 minutes and reading a book related to your field. If you were to do that every day of the year, you will have read 18 books in one year. And that's just 15 minutes. So for me, it's about taking ownership of your career, of your development, and investing in developing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think there's going to be a sort of post-pandemic boom in job availability? Uh, Well, I'm already, sorry, we in Talent Hub are already seeing it. Uh, Yesterday morning, we had a planning meeting at the leadership team to increase hiring for our own agency to keep up with the demand that we're seeing right now in terms of companies building these modern marketing uh, functions. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a positive note to end on for sure. Paul, how do you think our listeners can prepare for whenever it might happen, you know, but a truly kind of post-pandemic economy where the world starts to open up again? Well, most economists are predicting a V-shaped recovery. So, um, so therefore, Clearly, more opportunities are going to become available. Uh, at a spa on our own agency in, in lockdown two, we've seen week on week on increase in number of roles coming in. Um, so, so people have already adjusted to lockdown two. So, post uh, pandemic, vaccines and some sort of life as we used to know it uh, should be a, a boom. Um, the the fact of, about yourself is that no one cares about your career more than you in fact you're the only one who really cares about it at all uh so so the the best advice i can give is you need to spend some time identifying what it is you want to do next okay and and go and talk to people go and talk to friends colleagues research go and speak to recruiters uh but you need to have a pretty reasonable focus on what it is you want to do next and and the type of role, the type of company, the type of sector, uh, what it is you want to do. Because without having that purpose uh, and that focus, you can get very lost. Uh, you know, rather like going to the department store saying, I haven't come with any idea of what it is I want to buy. Okay. And you'll just walk around aimlessly looking and picking up stuff and not actually doing anything. Whereas if you went to a department store and said, I've come to buy a TV, you might have researched all the TVs before you went there. Uh, and you're going to go and have a look, and you've got absolutely in your mind what it is you want to do. 
And and once you've got that, then you need to swivel uh, and or pivot in the more modern parlay, uh, and you need to put yourself uh, in the employer's shoes, the hiring manager's shoes, and think, why you? Why, if I was that employer, would I have any interest in employing you? And and work out what it is that they will be looking for. And there's so much information out there. You can go to companies' websites, look at job descriptions, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can see job ads and say, okay, this is what they're looking for. Uh, and so that's right. Well, I need to be that person then. So what have I got and what am I missing? And whatever it is I'm missing, whatever I need to develop, I need to be able to demonstrate that I'm building up those skills, those competences uh, in that area. So actually, I am the full package. Once you've decided you've got that and you've still continue and you've got more to come, you then need to, to, to uh, have a program, a really concerted program. Right, I'm after this now. I've got a target list of companies I'm speaking to. I'm going to uh, spend an hour every day on LinkedIn, building my network amongst those hiring managers in those types of companies I want to build a reputation with. I'm going to make sure that my LinkedIn profile, because that's where everyone is going these days, uh, has relevant blogs, has relevant connections. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the right stuff. I'm in the right channels. Uh, and that sort of stuff, and give them a real reason to engage with you. So when when a role does come up, okay, either they're already approaching you because you're on their radar, or you're approaching them with some sort of branding. You've done your employee branding yeah. uh, in advance. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for that. That's really, really sound advice. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for both of your insights. It was really, I think, really valuable for our listeners to hear from your perspective what the kind of prospects are for people who are job seeking today um so thanks very much for your time guys thank you well thanks if you enjoyed this episode subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com thanks for listening <laughs>